Matt Schaff and Jared Smola of DraftSharks.com here to talk through our positional draft strategies so far. We have position-by-position position strategy articles available on DraftSharks.com, so make sure to check those out. We're going to refer to some of the, the data in those articles here, and Herms and I also did a tight end-specific video recently off of his article on recent tight end draft and then scoring trends. So you can find that on our YouTube channel. I will also send it out on our podcast listening channels after this. And if you want collective draft strategy, all the positions together, then you want to check out our perfect draft series. It's a pain in the butt to put together, but it's very <laughs> useful once you get there. It runs through a full draft from all the positions and talks through the moves at each turn. So you can see what'll be on the board. You can see what'll happen if you make a certain pick here or there. Check it all out on DraftSharks.com. We do those for three different league sizes, PPR and non-PPR, so it should fit what you're trying to do. Jared, we are talking positional strategy, though, on this specific video. Let us start with the quarterbacks, which are going earlier than ever, all the way down through QB1 territory. How is that affecting your approach to the position? Yeah, and I'm not sure it's even unwarranted how high the quarterbacks are going, right? Because we do see these guys like Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts, to me specifically, who have the, the passing upside and the rushing upside. Like They can just blow away the rest of the quarterback pack, both on a weekly basis and season-long basis. So, they, you know, to me, Allen and Hurts particularly are, like, worth round three picks. Now, that, that doesn't mean you need to take them there, and I actually haven't been taking them a lot there, but I, I do think they're kind of worth that level of production. So I guess that's kind of the first thing at quarterback is, you know, deciding whether you want to sp spend that round three pick on a Allen or Hurts. People always ask us questions like that. They're like, guys, the Josh Allen's showing up so early in my draft war room. Is that right? And you're like, yeah, it is. It doesn't mean you have to take him. You can reach over him if you want. But the value does make sense, and you make a good point. Even though they're going earlier, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's wrong or an overreaction to last year. It could just mean that we're all now valuing quarterbacks properly, and now they're going in the appropriate range. Now, what you do with that is what matters. So, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, it, it makes sense that they're going where they're going. Like we said, it's up to you whether you want to take them. What doesn't make sense is chasing that. If you see those three guys leave early in your draft, don't feel like you have to get the next guy or like, oh, crap, three are gone earlier than ever. I have to make sure I get one by this point. To me, Jared, that's how you make a mistake at quarterback because overall the scoring hasn't gone up. We saw a spike last year among the top four. If you look at each individual year, you might see a spike at number one. You might see a spike in the top three. You might see an overall lull in the scoring. There is no overall trend in QB scoring rising or an overall indication that you need to get it by a certain level to compete. So for me personally, what I'm doing with it is I'll consider a quarterback as early as round three, depending on what's there, depending on what I have on my team. And of course, depending some on the format, but I'm also okay with kind of every step down that path. I don't need to take one of those early ones. I'm okay with Lamar Jackson at the right spot. I'm definitely okay with Justin Herbert at the right spot. Even that, I don't feel like I need to grab him. Trevor Lawrence is fine. And then there are options all the way down through. I think that there are 15 quarterbacks in our rankings that I would yep. not be shocked if they finish inside the top 12. That's the point I wanted to make for quarterback strategy is waiting on quarterback is okay. I think if you end up with a Kirk Cousins or a Geno Smith, you're okay. I don't want to go beyond those 15. And I'm not saying, you know, you can't win your fantasy league without dra drafting a top 15 guy. But if you look at our projections, there's a 20 point gap between our quarterback 15 and 16, which is huge. So I'm looking to get one of those top 15 guys and you can get, 
a Kirk Cousins or a Geno Smith or an Anthony Richardson, who is like my favorite, you know, later quarterback target in round 10 or even, you know, round 11 sometimes. So again, you don't need to take one early, but I, I'm not going into drafts looking to, you know, wait until round 13 to take, you know, a couple quarterbacks in, in platoon. I do want one of those top 15 guys. Yeah. I used to go in and say, I'm just going to wait on quarterback and then take my favorite. That's not the way I am now, but I'm also okay with waiting. And Anthony Richardson's a good name to bring up because if you do wait, why not take Anthony Richardson with all that upside? And then maybe the very next round, take Kirk Cousins. And now you've got the floor just in case things don't work out with Richardson. You've got another guy who finished inside the top eight at quarterback last year. So lots of things you can do. And that top 15 doesn't even include guys like Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Kenny Pickett, Matthew Stafford, Kyler Murray. All these guys could score starter level fantasy points week to week throughout the season. So there will be answers, but the longer you wait, I think the more you should consider drafting that second one. Yeah. One of those like late round guys you mentioned, or maybe even you know two or three of them w- will hit, but I, I don't want to go into week one starting those guys. If you want to take one of them as your quarterback too, fine. It's probably a good idea if you do wait for someone like Kirk Cousins or Geno Smith as your first. I'm not waiting until those guys for my first quarterback. I agree. Unless you play in like a 14, 16 team league, something like that. Running back, Jared, how are you approaching this position in general? And has that changed at all versus last year? Not really. I mean, I still like, if possible, to get one of our top eight running backs. And that list for us now now ends with Josh Jacobs. You know, Jonathan Taylor is obviously out of that mix with, with the news on him missing at least the first four games. And generally, those top eight running backs are gone by the end of round two. I think Josh Jacobs now with the fact that he's signed, he's going to you know be a mid to late round two pick in remaining fantasy draft. So ideally, I'd like to get one running back in the first two rounds as my, you know, anchor running back doesn't mean I have to I'm definitely willing to open you know with a couple of wide outs or a wide receiver and Travis Kelsey but I think I would like to kind of have a one elite running back to you know lead lead my team yeah every time somebody asks me should I start wide receiver running back or running back wide receiver or whatever I say it really depends on the specific players I'm not taking a running back in round two I would absolutely take Josh Jacobs late in round two I would absolutely take Tony Pollard anywhere in round two I would absolutely take Derrick Henry anywhere from at least middle of round two on. So yes, I'll take a round two running back. And Jared, if you look at the way the draft war room recommends them, it really favors wide receivers over running backs in round one, and then quickly leans the other direction and says running back in a lot of cases over the next few rounds. And to me, the first takeaway there is there's not really an advantage to getting one of those round one running backs, as opposed to taking a wide out there and looking running back in round two. And that's the way it seems to me when I'm drafting is why am I taking Christian McCaffrey or Austin Eckler in the middle of round one, when I can get Tony Pollard in the middle of round two, get basically the same guy and yet start that team with Cooper cup or Stefan Diggs or Tyreek Hill instead. Yeah, it's exactly right. And I think if you look at our projections, they kind of back that up. Now Saquon Barkley is, he kind of stands above the rest of the pack as our running back three. Um, but if you look at like running back four through eight, there's not a lot separating. So I do think, you know, guys like Tony Pollard, you mentioned um, even, even Derek Henry, you know, it's, he's never the most fun name for me, for me to click on. But I do think if you can get Derrick Henry in the middle or even late round two, um, I, I think he makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think if anything, getting that you know wide receiver in round one and then going running back in round two is probably the way to go. And frankly, I know that RB handcuffs are taboo. It's it's supposed to be against the law now to draft a handcuff <laughs> to your own running back. But that's one of the few situations where if you have Derrick Henry, I don't mind taking Ty J Spears yeah. because if Henry goes down, it's probably going to be Spears as at least the lead back for a team that yeah. likes to run the ball. 
and he's clearly an upside player. Handcuffing is just fine in your, you know, normal 12 team home leagues. Nothing wrong with it. There's something wrong with it if you're like, okay, this is my running back. Now who's his handcuff? There are some situations where if it's a clear handcuff, if you know this guy is almost definitely going to be the lead back when the starter goes down, feel free to go ahead and handcuff him and ignore people that'll tell you not to. But don't say, all right, I drafted this running back in round two. Now I have to get whatever I think the number two running back is on his team later in the draft. Not the way to approach it. Now, I talked a little bit about wide receiver versus running back at the start of your draft. And Jared, that's the next position up here. Wide receivers, like quarterbacks, are trending earlier in ADP, especially the top 18 at the position. If you look at our wide receiver article, the strategy article on DraftSharks.com, you'll see some data looking at that. Like at QB, the ADP is kind of outpacing the scoring. And like I said, four quarterbacks, it doesn't necessarily mean that wide receivers are collectively going too early. But it does mean that scoring trends are not supporting you needing to take wide receivers in that range, especially as you get toward the bottom of the top 24, the scoring flattens out and it looks just like it has over the past four years. Um, actually, over the past one or two years, it's a little bit lower at the bottom of wide receiver two territory. Part of that could be the league actually throwing the ball a little bit less each of the past two seasons versus previous years. What that means for fantasy drafting for me is... When you get toward that bottom of the top 24, don't feel like you have to go get your wide receiver two or like it's going to dry up and you want to gobble up three of them before the top 24 or top 30 are gone. It's a lot flatter from there. It's a lot less predictable from there. There are going to be guys that get more targets than you anticipate. There are going to be guys that are just more efficient than what we can realistically project them to be. And by virtue of that, they're going to outscore their draft position. So I'm fine with getting two good ones early. And then beyond that, we'll see. Sometimes I'll take that third one if Tyler Lockett is going later than he should. But I'm also waiting a little bit and taking several of the guys that are more like boom bust range. And then I'll just see who booms. Yeah. And to tie this back into running backs, I like taking at least one, sometimes two running backs in the round, like five, six, seven range. You know, I think J.K. Dobbins or Shad White. Brees Hall, you know, those are kind of three of my favorites in that range. So I'm generally looking running back there and taking wide receivers before that range. And after that range, um, you mentioned Tyler Lockett. He's a favorite of mine too. I think Mike Williams is a favorite of mine. You can get him in around five or six a lot of times. And yeah, there are a lot of young breakout potential wide receivers to take in rounds, you know, seven through 10, I think, you know, Jordan Addison, Jackson Smith and Jigba, I still like, you know, despite his injury, Traylon Burks is a guy that's dropped quite a bit um, with his injury, plus the signing of DeAndre Hopkins. So I think stockpiling uh, a few of those guys late, you know, I, I look at the ADP and I think like round 10 is where I start to see a bit of a drop off at wideout. So I think as a general rule, like I'm trying to have, I think ideally five wideouts on my team by the time I get to, to the end of round 10. And I would say I like to have at least three running backs by the end of round seven. So if you do that, you probably have at least two wideouts. You can spend those next three picks and still hit that five wide receivers by round 10 that Jared was talking about. And I agree. It's just a, a range where it's attractive to stack up wide receivers and it follows a range where it's attractive to grab a couple or stack up running backs, depending on how you've been building that position. Gabe Davis, Elijah Moore, another couple of younger guys with some breakout potential this year. And then, you know, even beyond that, boring can be good. I mean, Adam Thielen's going to get more targets than any of us wants him to this year. He's not going to be exciting, but if he gets to 120 targets as your wide receiver six, then you've won that position. Juju Smith-Schuster is a name I never want to tap, but 
he looks like the best bet to lead the Patriots in targets. So if he's the new Jacoby Myers there, that can be useful if you've waited in a PPR draft and you're taking like a wide receiver five or even a late fourth. So, you know, guys like that can be especially useful in a lineup setting league where you're just looking for somebody who will get you some points on a regular basis. Yeah. I would point out um, Zay Jones is a guy I think is undervalued that goes too late. Um, I know, you know, Calvin Ridley's there. That's obviously going to cut into Jones's target share, but I I think the gap between Zay Jones and Christian Kirk is is just way too big. And I think that that makes Jones the better value. And then two teams to invest in that, you know, all these guys are going late, the Ravens. And we've talked about, quite a bit, but you know, Zay Flowers, Rashad Bateman, Odell Beckham, all going, um, I think in, in value range. And then the Giants, um, I'm not sure any of those guys are going to emerge as, as, you know, someone we can you know really feel good about in a, you know, lineup setting lineup, but they're all going so late, you know, take some shots on Darius Slayton, Isaiah Hodgins, uh, Paris Campbell, even Jalen Hyatt could be a, an interesting stash as a rookie who could grow into a, a bigger role as we get uh, deeper into the season. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up both the Ravens and Giants because a good way to approach things in that range is to target those situations where we don't know for sure who's going to be the number one guy or exactly how they're going to distribute targets. It might be that they're just frustrating all season and no Giants receiver is really helpful to us, but you also aren't losing anything by taking a shot on one of them in round 12 or 13, taking a shot on one of those Ravens, any of those Ravens, or all of them across multiple drafts in rounds you know, 8 through 11. So those nebulous situations can be good spots to find upside tight end. We'll close it out with here, Jared. Like I said, um, Herms and I already did a video really going in depth on what he did in that article, which again, goes into further depth. And the big takeaway from the article is it hasn't really paid off to target middle of um, tight end one range guys in ADP. What you want to do is target elite, tight ends when you're drafting or wait until the bottom and hope your guy gets either enough targets or enough efficiency to climb the board. Try to avoid that middle. It doesn't necessarily mean we hate everybody between like three and nine, yeah. but it's a good general approach. So Jared, how have you been going about drafting tight ends this year? I hear Herms's voice in my head every time I go to click on David and Joku's name, because he's still one of my favorite targets. He is in that, you know, tight end dead zone. You could call it that, that Herms kind of found, you know, I think in Joku's like t- tight end nine and ADP, but I'm just still in on that, that Browns passing game. And Joku ran her out on every single Deshaun Watson drop back this preseason. Not a surprise. Like he's going to play a big role in that passing game. So and Joku is probably my, my favorite target, but tight ends another position where you can find guys early with the elites. I think they're good values and there are a ton of late tight ends, even in a lineup setting league. I think this year you can take, you know, two or three guys in round 12 and beyond, and just kind of, you know, work matchups with them. We, we know we're going to find some tight ends on the waiver wire throughout the year. So it's definitely, I think tight end more than any other position for me is the one you can be most flexible at throughout your draft. And even if you don't want to work matchups or worry about starting the right guy week to week, you can start with two of them and see which one is staying on the field more, getting targeted more often, then just drop the other one and ride that one. My touchstones at tight end have basically been look at Mark Andrews in round three and probably the second half of round three, not so much the first half Darren Waller in round five or six, grab somebody who's falling down past his ADP after that. And then otherwise waiting until probably outside of the top 12. Well, I I will look at David and Joku, like you mentioned, depending on how he fits into my draft and what else I have at that point. But Tyler Higby, Hayden Hurst will be outside of the top 12 in most drafts. They could easily be top 12 
PPR guys. Chigakonkwo has dropped and has not rebounded despite the knee injury for Traylon Burks, which he's already back practicing from, by the way. And then I know you're a fan of Luke Musgrave when you're talking about yeah. pairing up guys late. Yeah, I think Higby is an excellent name is like your top target if you're waiting on tight end because he is the veteran he's back in the same offense he had a stronger fantasy season last year than you probably remember just saw a ton of targets obviously the cooper cup injury played a, a bit of a part in that but i still think higby has a chance to finish second on the ramps and targets so i think he's a good like i think taking higby and then one of these younger upside guys like a chico conquo like a luke musgrave sam laporta in Detroit has a chance to, you know, be their number two target in the passing game or out of the gate. So I think that a combination like that, where you open the season using, you know, Higby in your week one lineup, and then hope you hit on that, um, you know, breakout tight end a bit later. I missed out on Raheem Mostert because I had to make my slow draft pick in my FFPC main event um, a day before the news of Jeff Wilson Jr. hitting IR. But I mentioned that here because the guy that I took instead was Chickaconquo as the tight end 17 off the board in that tight end premium format. So I, yeah. I am now very much interested in his season, Jared. He didn't make my preseason winners and losers article, but he probably should have. Uh, maybe I'll go back and add him in there. Because the, the issue with Chickaconquo is, you know, what the playing time is going to be like, because he didn't play a ton of snaps last year. But, you know, Austin Hooper is out of the way now. And based on what we saw in the preseason, I do think Chig is, is going to be on the field enough to, you know, have a chance to, to finish as a top 12 fantasy tight end. Yeah, and the best news on him right now is you don't have to draft him as a for sure tight end one, so we can yep. see what happens there. And if you're wondering why I skipped right over Travis Kelsey and started with Mark Andrews, I'm not saying that Travis Kelsey is a bad pick in round one at all. I'm not saying skip over him and start looking at Mark Andrews. But if you look at our rankings, Mark Andrews is a lot closer to Travis Kelsey in the projections than yeah. he is to TJ Hawkinson and everybody else behind them. So for me, the way I've been drafting in general, that means pass on Travis Kelsey in round one, take one of those high upside and high floor wide receivers to start your team. And then think about Mark Andrews, who is not super far behind Travis Kelsey yeah. in round three. For the first time in a while, the, the draft war room is not really recommending Travis Kelsey as a pick at ADP, you know, because he's like a mid first rounder in ADP. We have him valued as more a late first rounder, which, which I agree with, like, you know, mm -hmm. you know, not having Kelsey is a bit scary, but to me, um, you know, even though Andrews is only like two rounds later in ADP, it's the opportunity cost is just way less with Mark Andrews. There are, you know, running backs and wide receivers. I really, really like that you have to take over Travis Kelsey in the back half of round three. To me, it gets a bit dicey. Like, you know, mm -hmm. once like Keenan Allen is off the board, there's no one I really like in that range. That's what makes it easier to, to take Andrews there. Yeah, not a huge difference between Amari Cooper and, say, Tyler Lockett, who's probably going right. to go a couple rounds later. So if you want to know exactly when to target each position in your specific format, create your draft war room to build rankings and strategy around your specific league settings. It will track your draft as you go and use 17 in-draft indicators to customize your pick recommendations at every turn. Click the link now to get started and let's win this season.